Welcome to the Audiobook Lovin' Podcast, discussing all things audiobooks with the authors that write the stories and the narrators that perform them. Brought to you by Viviana, Enchantress of Books. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Season 4, Episode 13 of the Audiobook Lovin' Podcast. And today I am chatting with author Landon Beach and author slash narrator Scott Brick, who's returning. So, Landon, welcome to the Audiobook Loving Podcast, and Scott, thrilled to have you back. Thanks for being here. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, and real quick, Scott, congrats on the two Sova's nominations that just came out. So, congrats yes, on those they, two. Yeah, I actually was just reading. Uh, uh, Landon shot me an email. It was a uh, nice news to wake up to. Yeah, I think Almost a lot lovely. of us. Yeah, I think a lot of us were like, "Hey, did you know?" And because I don't think anything went out timing as far as when that landing page was pr- published and when things announcements were sent out. So a lot of them were like, "I am, I did, hoo hoo, all right." Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Get those graphics ready to post on social media. But exactly. uh, it was fun to see your name on there, um, Lane. Yeah, welcome, Landon. Let's start with you and have you tell us a little bit about yourself, how long you've been writing, and how you got started. Sure. Well, I was born and raised in Michigan, and I've been writing since uh, as long as I can remember. And I started um, writing novels uh, about 19 years ago and had some ups and downs. And the publishing world was a lot different back then than it is now. And finally um, got to a point where I had written a book called The Wreck. um, And I said, gosh, I don't I don't know what I'm going to do with this thing. And my wife said, you know, you may not know it, but the publishing landscape has completely changed. And either you're going to put this out on Amazon and see how it does, or else I'm going to put it out there behind your back. <laughs> and I said, all right, we'll we'll give it a shot. And so that was kind of the start of my journey on publishing my work. And then after I had written three novels, I approached Scott's wonderful production manager, Gina Smith, and through that contact and having Scott look at the wreck, uh, we started our partnership. And that's really when it uh, started, would, would be the end of the summer of 2019. Wow. Okay. And uh, Scott, as you are a returning guest, tell us um, a little bit about yourself, how long you've been narrating, how you got started, or the, what's the abbreviation version of that? <laughs> <laughs> I, I started narrating on June 10th, 1999. Uh, I know I know the date for sure because I wrote it down for tax purposes. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, it uh, it's just spiraled from there in a wonderful direction. Um, uh, I gosh, I don't I yeah, I mean I it's it's funny because I was always reading throughout my life. I mean that's the reason I got into this industry because I'm a huge fan of mm-hmm. books as anybody looks behind me can see i've got a massive library here in my he house does, he does. suzanne is always saying really you need another book um yeah she says that wow okay <laughs> when, when i would run in when i would bump into people at like you know my 20 year i think it was at my 20 year high school reunion i had just started narrating and uh uh somebody said so what are you doing these days and i said well and and I and I wasn't accustomed to using the word narrate yet. <laughs> I, I was just saying, well, I'm I'm reading books. And they said, 
yeah, I know. I remember you from school, but what do you, <laughs> what do you actually do it for work? And I said, oh, I'm sorry. I'm doing it professionally. I'm reading them aloud for audiobooks. And every single person said the same thing. Huh. You know what? That fits. So um, that was, uh, yeah, I feel uh, every day I feel, I feel, I <laughs> got, I used to, I had a day job at a bank for seven years and I dreaded going to work every day. Oh, yeah. Uh, but I love going to work every day nowadays. So I'm, uh, I'm thankful yeah. every single day. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I think I, if I would have, if that conversation, I would have been there. I'm like, wait, you get paid to read books out loud? Right. <laughs> I I'm like, I get paid to be well read. I, yeah. <laughs> I was Holy like, crap. Dang, where was this when I was in high school? <laughs> exactly. And thinking about career options, do, you know, doctors, yeah, exactly. fine, whatever. <laughs> um, but you guys are here because we're talking about this book called Narrator. That's, you know, by the way, great cover. And for those that are, are not aware of it, go look at this cover. It's fantastic. I mean, even the details of the uh, soundproofing foam in the background there was like spot on. For the title and what the story is about, I was like, "Yeah, they did their job and their research for the book covers, yay!" Um, and but it's called Narrator, which is a psychological thriller. Landon, tell us a bit of this. Uh, what's this book about? Without any spoilers, of course, because it's such an interesting and intriguing premise. Uh, and we'll get to why more into that later. But tell us about Narrator. Sure. So I'll I'll try and hook you in here. Yeah. So Narrator is about a performing arts prodigy named Sean Frost, who was born and raised in Michigan, sound familiar, mm -hmm. and went to New York City, uh, attended Juilliard, but then dropped out. But he was incredible in the theatrical arts. And so he became a two-time Tony Award-winning playwright and actor in his 20s. And he's at the apex of the profession. Everything's going well and he can't be stopped. But also he has some flaws that he was not aware of. But due to that lifestyle and the attention that uh, he gets, uh, those flaws start to emerge and something goes horribly, horribly wrong with this poor guy. And he has to get out of New York City. And so he travels cross country to Carmel by the sea in California, and he reinvents himself as an audiobook narrator. And he kind of starts at the ground level, but he has a following from his theater days. And then he starts to get really good at it and garners a following, and he's starting to get top tier books. But as he starts to become more and more popular again and really hone his craft, his flaws start to emerge as well. Until one day, he's maybe <laughs> kidnapped by two obsessed fans that want him to read their book and it's life or death. And I think I'll stop there mm -hmm. and it takes off from there. Yeah. <laughs> when things go horribly, horribly wrong again. <laughs> again. <Yeah. laughs> Sorry. It's just one yeah. of my favorite phrases. Yeah. <laughs> I know I've adopted it. <laughs> it's like I, I go to my wife and I say, the girls are arguing in the other room. Something's gone horribly, horribly wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and she says, damn that Scott Brick. <laughs> Like, well, go fix it. I'm like, okay. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Goodness. That's also like when you go and talk to Scott about having him narrate it, 
Scott, did you have a moment of like, well, this sounds a bit familiar? Not the kidnap, well, that we know of, not the kidnapping part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I, it, it's it's funny. It was it was uh, um, first there was him, you know, asking me questions, mm -hmm. you know, about the process, and it was part of the extensive research that he had already done. And so he was just asking me about the industry, how things how things typically happen, um, and then he you know then he told me that you know he had this idea. Well, six months later, I get an email saying, "Oh, by the way, um, uh, tomorrow you should be getting a package in the mail. It's the hard copy oh. narrator, the you know the, the the hard copy that he asked me to look at to 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 read in advance, an advanced reader copy in ARC." And uh, could I give him some feedback? And I went, holy shit, you actually did it. Okay. <laughs> you know, because. Way to follow just... through there, Landon. <laughs> well, it's. it's you said it's, before, you know, go, go ahead, Scott. Well, it's just, they're, they're, it's a thing. It's not unique to writers. I think it's creators yeah. in general. People just go, oh, I got this idea to do this. And yes. I want to do this. And I want to do this. And then suddenly I go, holy shit, you actually did it. Wow. That's wonderful. Mm -hmm. Um, but the, the the funniest part of the whole thing was as I was reading it, I have it in my living room and uh, it's sitting on the uh, uh, the arm of uh, uh, a love seat that we have out there. And I had a couple of friends come over to watch the Indy 500 with me. So this would have been Labor Day weekend, I guess. And um, and um, it was a big thing. My father and I used to do it together. And uh, mm -hmm. it was the first time watching it without him. So my friends came over and they were just, they were so kind. They were just so, everybody was like being so nice to me. Like, how you doing? Are you sad? You can be sad. Mm -hmm. That's okay. And my buddy Josh, at the end of it, when he, when he knew I was doing okay, he goes, hey, can I look at this? And he picks up narrator. And I said, sure. And so he's looking at it like, you know, throughout the, the race. And he says, do you mind if I take this with me? I, you know, and I said, well, I actually, you know, I have to finish uh, uh, going through it to give Landon some some feedback. And he goes, okay, sure. He says, I'll, I'll, I'll read it another time. But he holds it up to me. And he, as, as he's handing it back to me, he says, you know, you're going to die like this, right? <laughs> you know, this is how you're going to die. And I was like, yeah, yeah, ha, ha, fuck you. You know, pardon me, pardon my friend. <laughs> no, you're and, good. And he goes, he says, no. This is a roadmap. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've had uh, I've had fans that email me while they're reading the book or after mm -hmm. they're like, I've I've got to take a break. They're like, but you know, and again, this is fiction. This is Sean Frost, and they're like, is is Scott okay? <laughs> and I'm like, I said, Scott's fine. I assure I you. And then I put in ellipses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I assure you, I think. And I surprised Scott with the project because I wanted to make sure that I was ready before I did it. And it only came because of our friendship and the fact that I was working with an audiobook narrator, which was a business I had absolutely zero clue mm -hmm. about. I, I knew that I enjoyed them and listening, and I knew there was artistic expression in there and a heck of a lot of work that went behind it, but I had no respect for that in terms of researching to know exactly how much it was. But we were on a, a 
a Zoom call for a pre-recording conference for Huron Breeze, which was a book that Scott was going to record in our relationship. Which just got the thriller of the year, yeah. wasn't it? Well, yes. Somebody, <laughs> tell, tell, give us the details and then yeah. we'll get back to the story. Yeah, yeah details. Yeah. It, uh, on BethStrillers.com, uh, they have an international competition and Huron Breeze was just named the mystery of the year for 2022. So I was, I yeah, it was. completely shocked to, <laughs> to find that out uh, a few days ago. So th- thank you. Congratulations. So thank you. No, it was, it was fun. We've got the sequel coming up, which is so weird that Scott and I were just talking <laughs> about our next conference to talk about recording that one and to see where the character's journey goes next. And all of a sudden that gets announced, but Anyways, we were doing our conference for Huron Breeze and talking about some decisions and, and what we could do and, and you know just having fun. And then and I, I had 10 questions I wanted to ask him. And you know, I said, you know, Scott, do you, do you mind if I interview you? And he said, sure. What about it? You know, it took him back a little bit because he's like, Think, things are going well about Huron Breeze. What, what do you want to know now? <laughs> <laughs> I said, you know, well, I've, and I kind of looked down, I'm like, oh my gosh, and Viviana, you know, my legs are shaking at this point. I'm like, okay, you better do this, you wimp. And I said, uh, you know, Scott, it's it's an idea about an audiobook narrator that maybe gets kidnapped. <laughs> and he just, he paused what he was doing, he was looking down his computer and he just like stared at me and I'm like, oh shoot. <laughs> <laughs> And then he's like, well, well, sure. And, you know, it was kind of tongue in cheek for the reasons like no one had ever written one about this. And he's done over a thousand of them. Mm -hmm. And I said, you know, we're going to break some new ground here. But I finally have my idea after 20 years of searching how to do an entertainment comeback story that would be new and fresh and something that fans hadn't seen before. Because disc jockeys, actors and, you know, producers, novelists, you know, you name it. It's all been represented on film. Mm-hmm. I didn't think that anyone had ever done one with an audiobook narrator within the framework of a psychological thriller. And so to make a long story short, I got through four questions and, and I'm nervous too, because this mm-hmm. is Scott's turf. I mean, he's a legend in the industry and he's built up this impressive career. And, you know, who am I here to suggest doing, you know, the first book, so to speak, of an audiobook narrator and a thriller. And and all of a sudden it started, you know, the screen started freezing. I'm like, oh my gosh, what's going on here? And the power cut out. Oh no. <laughs> and, so, and I had not given him a chance to explain anything like, you know, hey, I've done 12 to 18 months of research, buddy. I swear to God, I've got your back on this. It just ended before I said that. And I'm sitting in the dark here in my office. And I'm like, what is Scott Brick thinking right now on the other <laughs> end of this? I'm just, and I'm so nervous. And it came back probably after 30 minutes. And again, he's busy and I'm busy. We've got stuff to do. So there was just a little, you know, an email, a short email in my inbox. Like, you know, hey, hey buddy, so- sounds good. I'll start recording here on Breeze soon. <laughs> I'm like, oh, shoot. But then I went off and, and, and wrote it. So it was, I don't know, a, a comedy of errors in some ways of how it ever came to be in the first place. But once we got rolling and we got into the late spring and early summer, mm-hmm. I mean, it was a collaboration unlike anything I, I've ever had. I, I am so proud and happy of that. Like I, if I never do anything else in the creative arts again, that I will hold this experience so dear to my heart yeah. with, with my friend, with what, what we were able to, to put out. I'm, I'm really just, I don't know. I, I can't believe it's been three months since it came out already. 
You know, it's funny because, you know, that's uh, as many times as we've talked about it, that's Landon's takeaway memory of the experience. Um, mine, other than my friend telling me, yeah, you know, you're going to die this way. Um, <laughs> is, other than that was was uh, uh, Landon sent me um, two prospective covers. His his uh, cover designer had two ideas and and Landon says, I know which one my favorite is, but I don't want to influence your decision. Which mm -hmm. one do you prefer? And it's the one that they, he wound up using. And for those of you who haven't seen it, it's, you know, you got a desktop, you got a microphone, mm -hmm. and then you got a carving knife <laughs> stuck into the desktop and there's blood everywhere. And, and when I emailed him and I said, well, I prefer this one. And I just have to laugh because there are so many haters out there. There are so many people on Twitter who just give me no end of shit. And I'm like, this one will make them very happy. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I had J.D. Barker, who is a New York Times bestselling novelist and has become a friend who gave the book a, re a read. And he gave me a blurb. And I, I opened up the email and it said, finally, a narrator gets what he deserves. I'm like, J.D. But then in, the, in, a, in, a, in a wonderful twist of fate, the next line is, and Scott Brick is wonderful. <laughs> he goes, this is misery in stereo. I'm like, oh, J.D. has got our back. It was crazy. Crazy. Oh, oh <laughs> that's funny. What's true? There have been stories about that, you know, the comeback of anything from you know CEOs to to sports and everything, but no one's really talked about audiobooks. But that's also because audiobooks hasn't, while they have been around for eons, I say eons. Uh, been no books on tape. I I still have my yeah, Pinocchio no, Ronio. Yeah, they've been uh, for hundred years. Exactly, and but it hasn't really. You guys, as the performer and the narrators, weren't really ever in the forefront. We didn't know anything about you. We didn't know names. We were like, oh, he kind of sounds familiar. Did I listen to another book that he narrated? But it was never a thing. And then as yeah. Technology continues to move forward, um, and we have things like social media and you know, you know, Facebook and Twitter and all this other fun stuff. And now, for five about, about Which can also years? be some of the cruelest places on earth. Oh yeah, oh trust me, I <laughs> yeah. know. But we have now here where we're the the narratives are being more social <laughs> on social yeah. media, and we can you know they have fandoms and they have you know official fan groups and they have publicists and things like that and and there's a really huge community of you know listeners that that's how they do their only type of readings i mean we always say that there's the eyeball reader the mix of the two and the listeners and the listeners are really really you know fans and when they love a narrator they love a narrator but they also when they don't like a narrator they don't like a narrator uh, so <laughs> somebody posted on my facebook page the other day they said oh. i'm halfway through going to bed with both of you right now <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> How do you respond to that? I, I, think oh, I dude. just loved it. Oh, dude. Scott dude. knows. Scott knows. Yeah. No, I've, had, I've had so many instances. It's funny. Suzanne and I had just mm -hmm. started. We had just started dating. And uh, she came to a, a mystery writers conference with me in Long Beach, maybe you know, 40 miles south of where I live. And, um, and there was this elderly woman. She was so kind. And she had just the butteriest... Uh, southern accent and she she shakes my hand she takes it in both of hers she holds on to my hand and she says i just want you to know you are the only man other than my husband that i have taken to bed with me for the last 40 years <laughs> and i said 
I'm just really grateful you said that in front of my girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, see, honey, this is and and ordinarily, you know, my self-deprecating humor, it just my kind of need to say yeah. something, you know, uh, just to <laughs> get past the furious blush in my face. Mm -hmm. um, I, I typically say, well, you know, when somebody says, uh, uh, I fall asleep listening to you every night, I say, well, I have that effect on women. <laughs> But you know they're they're actually trying to pay me a compliment, so yes. I, I try to I try to shut off that response and Good. say well, that's very kind, thank you. <laughs> it's like the comment that was you know left on Facebook, and I've seen those on Scott's social media too. And you know, I, I definitely think that they're just saying you know this has been a great experience, and you know they have their following, and they just like certain narrators are kind of mm -hmm. their favorites. Um, that they want to listen to. So it's always neat to hear that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it's again, a great community. Um, but similar to the um, premise of your book, <laughs> uh, sometimes there is that um, line that gets crossed uh, as far as the fandom goes. And, the, you know, the, there's a, a lot more fangirling happening and, and there's a lines that are crossed constantly. And so when I saw the problem, I'm going, I wonder if, yeah, this, I can totally see a couple of romance narrators having to deal with this. That's for sure. Oh, totally. <laughs> totally. All right. Yeah. And this is one of those things where uh, from a, you know, from a fan perspective, I've always been very much on professional levels and things like that. I mean, I will fangirl in private to you guys if need be, but it's also knowing and respect that you are also a human being. Yeah. And, uh, you know, in some cases they are significant others that you guys have. And so have to be respectful of them. And I've, and there's also a way to say it. Like my, when you said that line, oh my God. Right. But we're without getting into details. And, but some fans are not like that. They will, they have no limits. They have no boundaries. And I've seen that firsthand and I'm going just because you can doesn't mean you should say it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and I see it where narrators have put them politely professionally back in and stay within the lines and others that just seem to revel off of it and even egg some of the bad behaviors on and i'm going when y'all get kidnapped by that crazy loon um right. i don't want to hear it <laughs> yeah it's funny because uh my girlfriend um mm -hmm. uh suzanne um suzanne elise freeman she's yep. a narrator as well and yep. uh but she also uh for um, for the romance community works under the name Samantha cook. And, yep. um, and it's funny. Oh, and by the way, we just got engaged. Yes. Uh, congratulations. Thank you very much. I uh, mm. just want to let the community know, uh, community know. Um, it's funny that, um, we were at an award ceremony, um, a couple of years ago and we happened to bump into Lauren Blakely mm -hmm. and she was like, um, Oh, it's so nice to to run into you both and 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 you're here together and we're like well yeah we're a couple and she went oh <laughs> and next thing next thing you know she's writing a project for the two of us yes that she cast us in specifically because we're we're a, you know a romance couple uh you know it's 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 so funny you know sometimes the the feedback that you get the responses that you get from listeners but when those listeners are also authors yeah. <laughs> even better yeah there, there's been many uh that we know when there's couples and things like that i remember working on that project with lauren i was a uh a, a production manager and mm -hmm. 
you know, when I was getting the list of the narratives, I'm going, okay, cool, cool, cool. And then I see your name and I see her name. I'm like, Samantha Cook. Oh, and stop it. Okay, good. <laughs> Just because Samantha's awesome. I think sometimes the, the, the ladies don't get the 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 love and adoration that they, they don't need. they, they don't they, get anywhere near enough um, that the guys uh, appreciation do yes for, yes exactly and 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 no and nothing to take away from from the males performances or anything like that but again it is a cis female especially in romance um and oh, so totally. some, and so a lot of times the, the self-insertion happens and i'm like it's not real it's fiction <laughs> you sometimes have to remind no, I- them and yeah. and and also show them the love of to the to the female narrators, and so I'm always making sure that I do my due diligence and my best to be the example and to to rave about the, the ladies. So literally, I did do that. I'm like, so man, like, okay, oh, I'm Scott, awesome, Scott, good. <laughs> well, it's true. It's, uh, it's when you break up a romance book into two narrators, you know. Uh, his perspective, her perspective, or mm-hmm. or to hises or to hers, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, but but in the in the male female dynamic, um, the the woman who's narrating the book is always doing the heavy lifting. Mm-hmm. She is always going to be doing so much more of the work. But because women are the primary audience for romance novels, mm-hmm. um, all you got to do is ha- you just have to have a sexy voice. And and that's enough, and 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 everybody just you know oohs and ahs, and I'm mm-hmm. like, look, I'll take it, I, I mm-hmm. appreciate it, thank, thank you. you, yep. <laughs> but uh, but the fact of the matter is, you know, Suzanne did all the heavy lifting on that book. Yeah. yeah. So now you're taking notes on them for the next book that you have to write about, you know, authors. I mean, romance narrators. <laughs> well, yeah. he's actually working with Suzanne right now. Oh, which see. Is a really wonderful <laughs> thing. Yeah. Yeah, I'm really excited about the project that uh, we're working on. Uh, it's going to be a novella mm-hmm. that is the book within a book of the series oh. uh, that Scott and I are working on of Here on Breeze, Here on Nights, and Here on Sunrise. It's about an author who writes a bunch of thrillers that have been bestsellers. And so I came up with the idea, wouldn't it be, be neat between the second and third book of the trilogy where you actually get a novella, which is somewhat of an origin story of this amazing character who is actually in the books within the books. So we're going to give it a shot, but we had a a great conference and a talk the other night. um, And Suzanne, I was just blown away by just her ideas and knowledge of the genre and helped me out as an author. And it was the first time I ever did a conference with a narrator before writing the book. And again, trying to think a little bit outside of the box. I don't know if it's successful or not, but saying, you know, what if I talked with the narrator beforehand and got some of her ideas? Because this is fun anyways. It's just, you know, this usually doesn't happen mm-hmm. in publishing. It's if, if anything, it's still about the main story. It's never about a side story. It's a novella within the story universe. And so mm-hmm. this is something entirely different. And gosh, I was just blown away by her ideas and instincts as a storyteller um, that have helped me out as I'm framing the story, still working on my research before I write it, but I'm getting close. And that was neat. I, I, I didn't know. I said, let's try it, you know? Yeah. Well, it's, it's interesting that you mentioned that because there's a lot of times where when we are reading a, a book and a story and there's a side character that pops in and literally it could be that they just pop in for that one scene. And then mm-hmm. all of a sudden we all get fixed. And we're like, when do, when do they get their book? And we yeah, want right. to know more Everybody about them. Loves them. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's funny. We when we were working on uh, Huron Breeze, um, 
again, it, there is a book within the book. The 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 thriller is uh, the main character is a uh, is a writer, and so uh, you know there's constant references to her novel. And uh, Landon, God bless him, he put in this Easter egg that you know the audiobook narrator of that book within the book is Suzanne Elise Freeman. And mm -hmm. and I read that and I was like, that's lovely. And I told Suzanne and she just squealed with delight. She goes, that is so fucking cool. <laughs> Sorry, French. Um, but, then, uh, uh, but then I emailed Landon and I said, um, you know, she has at least, I don't remember how many lines there were. There were a handful of lines that uh, Suzanne as, you know, herself as the narrator, um, I think uh, uh, there was a scene where she's introducing the latest title. There's a press, you know, it's a press conference and the narrator is there to, you know, uh, uh, reveal the, the, the title of the upcoming book. Right, and right. I said, Hey, Landon, do you want me to actually have Suzanne do this? Cause you know, she's just right upstairs. <laughs> <laughs> he has a like, hookup oh. Landon. Right. Yeah, exactly. I was it's like, like, hell yes, Scott. <laughs> well, it's like, it's like one of those people who says, Hey, I know a guy, you know, it's like, well, <laughs> I, I actually know her. <laughs> so, and uh, uh, yeah, she came down, she did the line. We had her do the intro credits, the outro credits, just mm -hmm. so that, you know, her voice Couldn't wouldn't come as a surprise. But um, yeah, it just kind of took off from there. It's so yeah, funny. And, and for um, and for Huron Knights, we're building on that main character, and um, you know Suzanne will be in there as well because she is the narrator of the series. But I just got the cover back today, which is finalized, and on it for it'll be the third book, the final book in the trilogy, Huron Sunrise. And it'll say narrated by Scott Brick and Suzanne Elise Freeman, um, because not to give too many spoilers away here, but I have a couple scenes set where, um, because no one knows who the author is, it's a pen name, and it's one of the most closely guarded secrets in publishing. Mm -hmm. but in the third book, Suzanne is going, you know, as the narrator, is going to meet that character. And so there's a scene where she's going to be able to meet this author that she's never met. And then there'll be a part two, I think, where she's narrating actually some of the final chapter of the last book that that writer is writing. And then, you know, Scott will be, you know, doing most of the book, but there'll be a couple things in there where they'll both get a, you know, a credit on that. So I, I can't wait for that to happen. It's going to be just a neat arc for a trilogy. That's fantastic. And again, that's sometimes stuff like that has happened in, in the romance genre and not so much in the thriller mystery so to be able to kind of see some right. of that stuff go into other genres yeah. um, is fantastic, especially when sometimes romance gets such a bad rap of it not being serious writing or anything like oh. that. Yeah, nice. I know, right? Like, yeah. Fucking yeah, it's heck. ridiculous. <laughs> it's, it's great writing. It's great yeah. writing. Mm -hmm. And so now, like, oh, look at that. The the, the mystery and the thriller, they're taking a little hint from us. Okay. Yeah, they're, <laughs> they're catching up to you. Yeah, right. Like we've been doing this for years. Our, and a lot of our collaborations, specifically for narrator, but also for these other books, mm -hmm. you know, have been just Scott and I saying, why not? Why not? Let's let's yeah. do this. Why the heck totally. not? It's good to be thinking outside the box. Now, the one thing I was when I was listening to narrator that I was like, oh yeah, because I have been behind the scenes, so I know a lot of the stuff that happens in creating an audiobook. Still sometimes I'm learning some of the terminology and things like that. And so Landon, I know you were mentioning that you were doing a bunch, a bunch of research and you did also talk to Scott. Did you also talk to other narrators or was Scott your primary go-to uh, researcher um, 
for your answers and how much, how was that to do all that research? So I'll back up real quick and just give you how I got the idea and that mm -hmm. led me into the research. But I had been thinking for 20 years that I wanted to write a book like this. But as I said earlier in the interview, I could never figure out a way to make it work and how to have something fresh and new and exciting that the audience hadn't seen, uh, you know, or in this case, read or listened to before. But I've studied film all of my life as well. I studied it in college and my degree is in screenwriting. And yeah. so uh, I live and breathe, you know, that area. It's one of the reasons we get up in the morning is just to watch film and read and talk to other artists. I mean, it's it's so lonely in this room by yourself. It's a uh, and so I had four films that just would not you know leave my mind over the years and Vertigo, Play Misty for Me, Misery, and A Beautiful Mind. And then when I was an educator, there was a short story that I taught called The Continuity of Parks by Julio Cortazar. And those five seminal works kept speaking to me over and over. They kept whispering to me over and over, but I you know, would whisper back, I don't have a way to fit you in. And then when I worked with Scott, I said, oh, I said, this is it. Uh, in an audiobook narrator, but I was really protective of the idea. I didn't say anything to anyone, including poor Scott. Until I, <laughs> Surprise! Sidelined him about 18 months afterwards. But to answer your primary question about did I talk to other narrators, in a way, yes. And that would be, there are so many, like you said, the rise of social media and interviews. I watched I mean, hours and hours and hours of YouTube footage where narrators would be interviewed and they talk about their process and, you know, the highs and lows, the challenges of the industry, what they loved about it. And I got very much a sense of what you said, that it is this wonderful community, so supportive um, and something that not a lot of people know about. And it's something that they take for granted. And so there are other things that, you know, I would read to articles online. And so that was my primary research through many, you know, sleepless nights and, you know, weeks and days and months, probably between 12 and 18 months, give or take, based on the fact that I was still working full time and have, you know, a wife and two young children. And so I'm, and a golden retriever that I love that, that makes it into the book in a, in a certain kind of way with a different name, but um, and, and then with Scott, you know, it was those questions that I asked. And then when he was gracious enough to take a look at the manuscript um, and see the research that I had done, it was neat just for tweaking. And he would say, you know, try this. This this doesn't actually work this way, but there might be a way around it. And we would exchange ideas on that front. And he would help me out too. He'd say, you know, you're not really that far away from the microphone when you're you know whispering or you want to lower your voice you're this far away which i had no idea and even points where i thought gosh scott's going to pat me on the back here with this research about the coaches and you know the directors and he looked at the list and he goes he's like brother i i appreciate your work but you know they really don't have those jobs <laughs> You have some that need to be as coaches, and here are a few Grammy Award winners in directors that I've worked with, but that gave the book authenticity. And mm -hmm. so, of course, I welcomed those 100%. And, you know, Viviana, we've said, had this been book one, it just wouldn't have happened. You know, when you have some, you just don't have that trust yet, mm -hmm. and you're still working out the kinks of your working relationship. And to be quite honest, for most narrators and um, authors, 
they never see each other or talk to each other. Yeah. In, fact, in some yeah. places it's frowned upon. They're like, we don't want you talking to the author. We want you to do this. But when we got past book three and we discovered that we had a lot in common and that, you know, that we inspired each other with talking creatively about ideas, then it turned into something completely different. And so it opened it up for this kind of the best idea wins mentality for mm-hmm. um, the sixth. And never once when we made suggestions, I mean, it was unbelievable. I kept pinching myself. I'm like, this can't be true. You hear all these horror stories. And believe me, in those 12 to 18 months, I had read about them. Like, you know, authors that I might know who, when the audiobook comes out, just trash in their narrative. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Mm-hmm. And so, but we just would be like, yes, that's totally the way to go. And Scott saved me on some things that would have been, it would have, it wouldn't have taken probably your average reader out. Um, but that one percent that I was dead set to catch, I wanted, you know, audiobook, anyone in the audiobook industry, just mm-hmm. to know that this was kind of my love letter to them for that I appreciate and value what they do. I didn't want anything to take them out of the experience. And that's where, you know, I I called in the big guns. <laughs> he's like, he's like, this is what you need to do, buddy. <laughs> Listen, I, I remember there was a time, Viviana, right mm-hmm. before the book came out. Uh, I had finished my my narration almost a month before. And it was it was in post, you know, it's get <clears throat> we're just waiting on the final files. It's but maybe it was like a maybe a week before it debuted. Right. And right, yeah, exactly. And Landon emails me and says, There's something that's kind of nagging at me. In the book, I use the phrase, you know, in in Sean's voice, he says, I hit the record button. Mm-hmm. And he said, and, and I didn't catch it at the time, but Landon looks at it and he goes, is that a thing? Is is that part of the nomenclature, right? Is that right. part of just the, the you know, the, uh, um, uh, uh, the vocabulary of voiceover people? And and so I I sat and I, I I sat with it and I thought well this is software it's not hardware there is no actual button that says record like right. on staples there's a there's the okay button you know whatever <laughs> that's um, what I woke up in the middle of the night one night yeah about a week before and I saw the red staples button on my wall <laughs> and I'm like <laughs> do they hit a button like that to start recording and I'm like I've gotten it I all wrong. Well, oh, I never knew that. I never maybe knew that was the a bunch of years ago. <laughs> so then I'm emailing. Well, I'm like, I'm like, Scott, do you hit a button? Is there a magic button? He's like, no. And I, well, and I said, well, I hit a button. It's the number three on the keypad mm-hmm, on, right, on, right. on 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 the keyboard. And I said, but that's a macro. That's a software thing. It's a mm-hmm. shortcut. Right. And I said, so technically, no, there is no record button. And he said, do you say? I hit record. Is that something that comes up in, in conversation among, Mm -hmm. you know, voiceover people? And I said, Oh, hell yeah. 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 We talk about that all the time. And he goes, okay, great. He, he goes out and he fixes it. Yeah. And we did it as a pickup and, you know, for the, for the 0.1% of the listening audience that that's going to matter to, Mm -hmm. he had their back. Yeah. And thank you for that because there's, there's times when we're reading and listening to a book and there is a specific thing, whether it's a military term because it's, you know, romantic suspense yeah. or a thriller and, th- and then they're using something. And you're going, no, that's not what we say. Or 
a, in my case, culinary. I'm like, no, that's not the right dice for that dish. <laughs> and there's a, there's there's a, the little thing like it's just a little more research, dude. Just a little more research, dude. <laughs> we were on another podcast, and it was someone, of course, who was in the industry. And he said, I, I kept waiting for there to be a mistake so I could yeah. go. Uh, uh, and he says, and it never came. And so mm-hmm. that that meant a lot to get that feedback. But you're right. Uh, um, a couple of my novels are sea adventures. And we always say as sea adventure authors, there's <laughs> there's a lot of interesting emails and posts go back. But we've kind of labeled them the boat and gun people. <laughs> but yeah, the, the, yeah. Boat, totally. the boat and gun people. Oh, yeah. Those books. Oh, God, yeah. You have anything wrong i mean we're talking your you know your your life's work here for you know a 300 page book you have one thing wrong it's a one out of five and they say Mm -hmm. this one thing and then some of them are i mean they're even unfair i my my first book the the wreck i've got some underwater action and some scuba diving scenes and i had two hall of fame scuba divers read the manuscript and write a beautiful blurb and for me that was enough i'm like okay i've passed that threshold and even then you get some amateur diver who goes on you know one of the review sites and gives you a 1 out of 5 and you know marks something about the scuba diving which they're actually wrong <laughs> and i'm like mm-hmm. i'm the hall of fame scuba divers here and then you look under underneath and that's why it's not healthy to do this by the way <laughs> Is and there's like 18 people found this healthy. I'm like, damn it. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, I, I remember one time I had a reviewer. Uh, his name was Yuri Rozovsky, and he was a lovely man. Um, I think our only time we ever had an issue was about this one book that he was reviewing because he was not only a producer of audiobooks, um, uh, he would he would adapt uh, classics into a multi voice format and and um. God, uh, my the first Grammy nomination was through him. He he did uh, uh, the the Mark of Zorro uh, and got me. I got to play the bad guy opposite Val Kilmer of all people, which was absolutely marvelous. But Yuri, when in his uh, when he put on his reviewer's hat, he came to a book I did, uh, a nonfiction title that took place uh, around the turn of the last century. And there's a, a a term for a car, in the same way you know you would you would call it. Well, is it a coupe? Is it a wagon? You know what is it? And it's spelled P H A E T O N. And and he says, you mispronounced phaeton. I'm like, no, I didn't. He said it, it, it it's phaeton. And I said, you're talking about the Greek god phaeton. And he says, yeah. And I said. I was talking about a type of automobile where they took the name Phaeton and they made it their own and they called it a Phaeton. Mm-hmm. He goes, but that's wrong. And I'm like, not in the world of cars, it isn't. <laughs> I went to the I went to the Peterson Automotive Museum in Los First of all, I went to my dad, who was the ultimate you know, car geek. Right. And I said, it's Phaeton, isn't it? It's not pronounced the way that the Greek god is. And he goes, oh, no, it's, it's Phaeton. And I called the Peterson Automotive Museum, and they said, it is absolutely a Phaeton. And I told that. You know, he, pr- he puts it in print. Oh. It's like, you know, Scott Brick doesn't do his research. And I saw him at a party, and I said, Yuri, I love you, but fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it was the only time, and sadly he's he's gone now, but uh, it was the only time I, I think I ever won an argument 
when I fun when he finally went, oh, <laughs> right. Yeah, <laughs> it, it happens a lot, and and part of that too is as you were saying before once the narrator gets a script, there is no communication with the author and the narrator. If the narrator and author are both lucky, they are told to submit pronunciation sheets and anything to do with accents and things like that. Otherwise, there's the prep work that the narrator has to do. And and hopefully they do do their due diligence in doing that research. Some do, some cold read, some don't. Um, so they leave it there. And, <laughs> and it is one of those where times have changed. And I think indie authors have a really good uh, benefit in being able to connect with the narrator and say, hey, this is how we pronounce it, uh, especially when it comes down to sci-fi and fantasy where words are made up and, you know, with specific dialogue too and dialect. So it's like made up, but still real and, yeah. and having never have that connection. So I think that that's where I was impressed as I was listening them going, because I was also kind of waiting for that mistake. I'm sorry. It's okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> But I was so happy. No, it's your area of expertise. It's it's your it's your area of expertise. You, you yeah, should... and I know people, so I could have checked. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, I'll tell you what. Part of the research too was actually going through the process with Scott. And Scott, tell me if I'm right here. But the researcher that you have used in the his name is Reggie, right? Reggie was my uh he was my engineer my um George was the sadly he, right? yeah sadly Reggie passed away uh George uh, George Weisberg is my researcher yeah. yeah and so it was neat to have you know to see notes that George had given Scott and so that's when I'm like oh there's a whole other level here that I'm not getting that goes mm-hmm. on in the, in the cabin I, I know firsthand Scott does his research and is professional because I had a, a Russian character that I was going to go with a lot of what Americans say, you know, oh, right. Vladimir. And right. I said, you know, I think so. And then I had no idea. And he said, well, you know, actually Landon, it's Vladimir. And I, I looked at his complete, he was really nice and wrote me a paragraph about why that was, you know, the way it should be. And then I said, ah, I was like, I've, I've got some things to learn here. I'm, I'm getting schooled in real time, but it was, uh, but but even that though that made me think about when I wrote narrator mm-hmm. that that actually goes on and so we wanted mm-hmm. to make that authentic. Yeah, there's a. It's funny you mentioned that uh, because uh, uh, having done a number of thrillers over the years, there's also the name I V A N, which Americans say Ivan, Ivan and yet yeah. anybody uh, from that part of the world says Ivan, mm-hmm. and um, and yet it's become a thing where. Uh, especially people in the, um, you know, in the, in uh, God, in, in the services, you know, CIA, FBI, whatever, uh, the clandestine services, um, whenever they talk about Russians, they talk about big Ivan or, or just Ivan. Mm -hmm. And, and yes, it is, it is Americanized, but they're doing it to talk about this culture. Well, Mm -hmm. you know, that's fine for Ivan, but we're going to do different things over here. So, in a book, you're going to have a character. If you have a character in the book actually named Ivan, from his perspective, it will always be Ivan. Mm-hmm. And yet, from the American's perspective, it always has to be Ivan, just mm-hmm. to sound right. Yeah. You know. Yeah, and being able to to have that information, and even when it's dual narrated, because that's happened too sometimes where. And Scott, you know, right. I'm sure it's one of those, you would say Ivan and you don't say Ivana the other way around. It's the same thing with 
the pronunciations of of you know cities and streets those that are different from the locals versus where outsiders would say but when there's two narrators the importance of the two of them getting together and say how are we going to say this it's so right. important um and sometimes that doesn't happen um uh, because either production companies or publisher houses don't connect them either so it's not just you guys as authors sometimes it happens with the narrators so you're not alone <laughs> well one of one of my favorite stories uh of us going through this together and uh, recording was scott said that he would leave the booth for you know the day and head upstairs and and Suzanne would say so so what happened to you today Sean oh yes <laughs> and then Scott, would, Scott would name that particular part of the book of what the horrible thing had happened yeah <laughs> oh, I would say well I got the shit kicked out of me by my jailer <laughs> they wanted me to record in a room with no soundproof I mean how dare they <laughs> And it's, it's really funny. Amateur hour. <laughs> it's funny because she actually listens to audiobooks that I do. And and I've listened to her as well. Uh, but she listens a lot more. She, um, uh, in her spare time, is doing craft projects. And so, you know, as she's sewing something or printing something or, you know, whatever, making it, uh, she makes these handmade cards. And, you know, she can have her earbuds in and, mm -hmm. and, and be listening uh, to maximize her time. And it's so funny because... You know, half the time she's saying, will you shut the hell up so I can be surprised when I'm listening to it? You know, can you maybe tell me how your day went without ruining all the surprises? And, <laughs> and the other half of the time, I'll, I'll I'll walk into the room and, you know, she'll always do that telltale tap against her ear, you know, uh, putting it on pause. Mm -hmm. And and I'll be like, well, you know, what are you listening to? And she goes, I'm listening to you. Would you go away so I can hear you? <laughs> It's hysterical. It's too cute. I love it, though. <laughs> well, and for people, you know, in the community, um, it, it just happened to be that the a voiceover conference in Texas was taking place the week that we launched, and so I um, registered and I sent some material over there. And of course, again, as an independent, mm -hmm. uh, you know, on a on a budget, there's not a way to kind of let hey everybody in the world know this book's coming out so you know it was just a really you know kind of conservative and calculated launch in the places that we could when it came out but that was one of the places to start to get the word out you know that there was a book about the industry that we hope that industry professionals would enjoy <laughs> and scott sends me from the conference he's like i have people coming up that are looking at this poster going what what is this <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah people were like there's this thing called narrator. What, mm -hmm. what is this? And why is it violent? Yes. <laughs> there's, there's the image of the cover art yes. of the knife with blood on it. Like, what <laughs> do like, you do? <laughs> but dozens of people asked me about it uh, mm -hmm. during this voiceover conference. It was, that's what I really appreciate about Landon, among other things, is that, um, you know, it's become a cliche to say he thinks outside the box. Mm -hmm. But, you know, um, he really does uh, in, in ordinary circumstances. And I know this because just like, you know, um, I I work for authors who are working in a similar genre to Clive Cussler. Mm -hmm. So they will reach out. They would reach out to Clive while he was still here. They would reach out to him for a for a cover quote, right? Mm -hmm. For a blur. You know, this guy is the best thing since sliced bread you know whatever um 
And then the same in the thrillers, they reach out to Lee Child, uh, the creator of Jack Reacher, and they would say, you know, Lee, Lee would give them a blurb. And quite often people would hire me because, you know, hey, I'm working on an aquatic thriller and you do Clive Cussler's work. So, you know, that might be you know, a good marriage. Um, in Landon's case, rather than reaching out, I mean, he did reach out to uh, his, his fellow authors, uh, thriller authors for narrator, but he made it his mission, his focus was to get voiceover people to give mm -hmm. blurbs. And I, when I, he sent me a list of just how many people he reached out to, was it Joe Cipriano and Dave Fenoy and, you know, and, and so many colleagues, you know, Ray Porter, mm -hmm. uh, uh, the, the audiobook narrator, he gave. Oh, we know who he Ray is. This, <laughs> yeah, he, gave, he gave this wonderful blurb that said, you know, it's innovative. It's, it's, a, it's a surprise every second kind of thriller. And I'm going to go put a lock on my studio door <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, you know again it was like well for this audience it seems like these blurbs would mean more yeah than you know yeah. early child ray, or whatever ray ended up doing our intro and outro for us right. for, you know and scott yeah. talked to him about it mm -hmm. yeah because <laughs> um uh, landon was kind enough to dedicate the book to me uh, said lovely things about me. And then again, at the end of the book, in the author's note, Notes. Um, he talked about um, the the research process and um, for to the extent, you know, that it was collaborative. Uh, he talked, you know, he said wonderful things about me. And I'm like, I don't need any help to sound <laughs> self-centered. I really, I, I, I really don't want to read these aloud myself. So I hired Ray to do it. And as I as I love to say, I have now officially paid someone to say nice things about me. <laughs> <laughs> but he also he recorded an alternate version that was <gasps> so filthy. It was so rude. He was like, you know, uh, uh, what? It was ninety seconds, and it was just filled with filth and literary references. And he said. You know, what can I say about Scott Brick other than he is a complete and utter tool? But he didn't <laughs> use the word tool. He used a word that begins with a C that I don't, that is not polite. And, and it just, it just went on from there. And I said, I'm oh. sorry, man. He, he emails me this audio file and I forwarded it to Landon. I said, I had I tears in my eyes because it was literary and foul at the same time. I'm like, was, my gosh. Well, and someone hysterical. who listened to it, um, you know, contacted me and they were a bit thrown off kind of. They're like, wait a minute, this isn't Scott, you know, starting this mm -hmm. up. And, and they said, it, is, is that Ray Porter? And all I could write back was, you know, dark side is everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Dark side. Yeah. You yeah. cannot escape dark yeah. <laughs> No, he's everywhere, man. Yeah, man if you have that file, I may ask later on, like, hey, help hook a girl up. I like, I would oh, love to I'll see totally that. Yeah. You. I'll totally forward it to you, but it is not safe for work. No, no, that trust me. Nearby. Between us. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I am a vault. You guys do know that. Uh yeah. the other thing too, I will say, I was actually playing a game while listening to the book. Because of those references of, you know, the audio, 
uh, from the industry part of it, but I'm also wondering, like, okay, who do I know that sounds like this as far as caricature goes? <laughs> so I was wondering if anybody's going to pop up that I'm, that I'm going, hmm, I'm, I think I know who they're talking about, even though they're using another name. And yeah. and at the same time, there is a scene. So I'm going to start with Michael Honey. Was he... Um, Tell us who Michael Honey is for those that have not read the book yet or listened to it. And then was he inspired by anybody that we might know? <laughs> no names needed, but maybe yes or no. <laughs> so one is Michael Honey is this mythical audiobook narrator mm-hmm. who's at the top of the profession. He is who Sean Frost is, you know, trying to unseat or at least equal. You know, he wants to get on his level. And so um I came up with a ridiculous amount of oddies that he had won, you know, over the years. Um, in terms of being inspired, no, no, no one person in all of my research. But what I did was I tried to take for the characters that are in there um, a conglomeration of different narrators that I had studied. You know, the most common question that I get asked in fans' email, they're like, "Is Scott?" Brick Sean Frost is that him? <laughs> and I'm like, no. <laughs> but I said I thought he was perfect to play that part. And there are a few things that Sean does in his routine because I thought the audience it would be neat to know. And again, you've got to dramatize it mm-hmm. because if you're not, it's going to be so boring that you know you shut it off. Just like if I was writing about my writing day, someone would stop after about five seconds. But mm-hmm. you got to dramatize it. And I thought, what if they you know might a little sneak peek into booth rituals about you know dabbing your lips with lip balm, mm-hmm. throat coat tea and whatnot. And so there are a few that Scott uses and there are a few that he does not use that other narrators use. So I use that to kind of build those different characters but i think you know the concept you know if if you will of an archetype of someone who's at the head of the industry and an up and comer who's trying to rival them and compete i think that you could probably in any industry you know if you go acting or mm-hmm. sports we could all name who they probably are but no there was no <laughs> one in particular where i'm like oh i'm gonna i'm gonna hide this person like michael Crichton used to say someone asked him they said you know do you ever write about real people and he said and he paused and he said well says there's always been a few people that I'd like to get back at, but I hide them. <laughs> in the book. And like there, there's one guy who gets like sliced up and eaten. And I was like, in one of his books, I'm like, God, I wonder who that was. <laughs> well, they do say, don't piss off an author. They'll, they'll kill you off in the story. Totally. <laughs> totally. I've had a, I've had a so, few thoughts behind the keyboard before. <laughs> years ago when Mel Gibson was uh, playing Hamlet on film, mm-hmm. He was working with Helena Bonham Carter, and uh, they were being interviewed, I, I, I seem to recall, by Diane Sawyer. And she said, so the question everybody wants to know, Hamlet and Ophelia, did they or didn't they? You know, did they ever sleep together? And they, they, they asked Helena Bonham Carter, and God bless her, she was like, yes. And here's why. And she goes into this lengthy, you know, explanation. You know, there's this in the text. There's this that's referenced. This I interpreted. Yada yada yada. Uh, and uh, they actually they 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 lowered her volume they, to the point where she was muted. And then they show on a split screen the you know, Mel Gibson being asked the question, and he said, "Well, 
I will quote Lord Olivier, who was asked this question years ago. Did Hamlet and Ophelia have sex? Yes. Once. On tour. (laughs) 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 But uh, also, uh, uh, I have actually, (laughs) a number of colleagues have listened to narrator and they have come to me and they said, they have asked me, am I Michael Honey? Yes, he. <laughs> and, and and there's this one, there's this one guy who's so funny. Uh, uh, he he's a dear friend, and and yet he's uh, he asks me all the time, and he's totally serious. He's not saying mm-hmm. this as a joke. He goes, "I'm so much better than you are. Why do I make so much less so much less money than you do?" <laughs> That's just who he is. So you know. Um, at least you know where you stand with him right at least you know so and i'm like i don't care you know whatever uh but yeah no there is no michael honey okay i was wondering because as i was thinking going i think i know someone like that (laughs) that's in the industry but again you know as as most books say at the very beginning everything's a work of fiction there's similarity that you know blah 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 um but i still was going okay and then i get to that scene in the audience so london authors have admitted doing this to scots but they have admitted to doing it in general is the adding specific creative words and or accents to see if they could do it like that's their challenge and things like that but you being obviously in this world too i think i was wondering if you purposely put the like tom hanks in there as that equivalent like having him do a tom hanks and then add the impression of woody in there um during the the, the delivery of the speech for the audience was that one of those that was mm. tough that was tough <laughs> so i have put things in books not only because of my love of them but there has been some you know selfish reasons in my previous works where scott and i have a love of shakespeare and there's a part that totally fits within the flow of the book and is meaningful but I do get excited as I'm typing it up, thinking I do want to hear Scott say those words that Shakespeare wrote 400 <laughs> years ago. And, you know, it, and it's not out of you know, oh, I wonder if I can trip him up or or something like that. I know he has some authors that he's very good friends with that mm-hmm. do that. It's really you know you know kind of charming to go back and forth and and hear that as they're putting together a book. And I think that only comes you know out of deep friendship yes. and respect mm-hmm. between author and narrator. So yes, there are selfish reasons sometimes when I put in some Shakespeare um, that I was going to put in anyways. But there's an extra energy to it because I know I get to hear Scott read Shakespeare, mm-hmm. and it's just so wonderful. I, I I listen to those parts just because uh, I, I took my, my oldest daughter to see the five actors from the London stage this past weekend put on Macbeth. And I, I was just completely, completely blown away by what they were able to to do. I, I absolutely love live theater. And I think my enthusiasm comes through in this book for that mm-hmm. um, because I love it so much. But in terms of the Tom Hanks and later Oprah mm-hmm. and Billy D. Williams and <laughs> whatnot, those are all things that I, that just performers um, and, you know, hosts, like Oprah that I just have so much respect for and have followed for years that were appropriate for that scene. But again, it's trying to give the audience something new to my knowledge. I know Stephen King won, I think a lifetime achievement award at a previous bodies that was there, Mm -hmm. but no one days before the world shut down. Yeah. No one from other circles. And I said, 
you know, very much in the performing arts and voiceover world, I said, well, why, why not have Tom Hanks be a performer? You know, I'm I'm Hollywooding it up somewhat. And maybe that's selfish, too, because I do want to see this get made into a movie. I think it would be perfect. I think it would be amazing to go to go see this and 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 have more people exposed to just audiobook narration and what goes into it and the love and respect that I've grown. Um, it would be neat to see it get that kind of platform and then of course you know steven spielberg at the end just uh, a director who's meant a lot to me uh, throughout mm -hmm. my life in his works especially just because um you know with scott and i we were right at the perfect age when all those movies with lucas and spielberg and coppola came out mm -hmm. that just you know it, they don't quite leave you i mean we're, we're coming up on christmas and there's that wonderful song toyland you know and once you cross that border you know you can never you can never go back and i you know, I, I tear up at that song every year because you want to hang on to those childhood memories when everything was just so new. And, you know, my youngest daughter you know, still believes in Santa right now. My oldest has been in on the gig for a long time, helping us wrap presents. But to see her in that wonderment and you remember it, it, it you just don't want to let it go. It's magic. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, it, there was some it was deliberate to bring in those different aspects and it was just a bonus to hear Scott perform them, which he nailed. <laughs> he did. When you were prepping the book and, and then having to narrate Scott, were you a little concerned about the, because it's different to voice a character because they're not real yeah. versus <clears throat> in, an impression of them because we know how they sound. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But look, um, um, I've narrated uh, book versions of, you know, classic films, um, mm -hmm. uh, 40 years after it got made, I was asked to narrate The Graduate. And when you get to that scene at the end, when he's banging on the glass and and disturbing the wedding that's going on, and he's screaming, Elaine, Elaine, you know, how can you not do it that way? Mm -hmm. There's just, I'm sorry, you know, uh, so many actors are like, well, I want to make this my own. Oh, screw that. You know what? <laughs> Give the people what they want. Um, if the line existed in the book Frankenstein, it, it it doesn't. But, you know, if 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 Victor Frankenstein were to scream the words, it's alive, it's alive. How could you not do it like the actor did in the in the 1930 film? Mm -hmm. And and um, it's it was the same thing every time that there's a reference to, you know, if it's Tom Hanks playing Woody or there was, a, and I don't, to be honest, I don't remember whether it was this book or Huron Nights, um, but there was a, a, a reference to um, somebody would would uh, would say uh, it, it was a line from the um, the Towering Inferno, Landon. Yeah, it, it was this one. It was you know when when Sean was getting pumped up to do something and he needed courage you know he'd, he'd say the robert wagner you know lines about you know i used to run the 110 flat i'm gonna i'll be back with the whole fire department <laughs> yeah and i had to go find that i watched the, god i watched the towering inferno when i was a kid seven eight times in the theater um it was playing at a movie theater just down the street and i, I went there every saturday and uh and yet you know, you gotta watch those references mm -hmm. uh, to make sure that you're being, you know, authentic. Um, uh, I think there's a difference between accuracy and authenticity. You know, yes. I'll never sound like Robert Wagner. I'll never, you know, I'm not. I'm not doing. I'm not a, 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 a an impressionist. Mm -hmm. And yet, 
uh, I can at least try to be authentic to the way that he said it. So yeah, it's a it's a challenge, but a fun one. Yeah, and that's you know, Viviana. That, that I would say that what we did in those aspects, because as you know from the book, there are a ton of pop cultural references, mm-hmm. which I think are very appropriate for a book like this in the entertainment industry. And someone like Sean Frost, who is immersed in it. I mean, that's what performers do. They remember lines, they act out scenes. I mean, all of us that are mm-hmm. creatives, we like sometimes we'll be by ourselves. We act out the scene when no one's looking, and then we go back mm-hmm. to our lives. <laughs> it's just fun. It's something that you do. And so what I did in this case, uh, and again, this grew out of the trust that Scott and I have in our previous um, collaborations was I sent him, it was either one or two, I can't remember, brother, maybe you do, one or two emails that were just massive that had every single pop cultural reference in narrator and the wonders of the internet with either it was a part, like the actual short story, which is only two paragraphs of the continuity of parks. I sent him that, but most of them were YouTube clips from Mm -hmm. the specific pop cultural reference. And it was always in the spirit of, if this can help you work into the scene, Scott, and use that to your advantage, go ahead. Um, Because he doesn't need me and he didn't need any of those, frankly, to do a wonderful job. But it was something that knowing him as a performer, like he said, not an impersonation as an Mm -hmm. impressionist, but when Sean Frost shouts a line from the game with Michael Douglas and Sean Penn, I thought what would be neat is to give Scott that clip so he could watch it, see you know the tempo of it and how, how those lines are delivered, and yeah. then work into the scene and, and make it his own that way. So that was something I thought that was really neat about this project that you know we really hadn't gone to those lengths before together. Mm-hmm. Well, and what's really cool is that uh, Landon never knew. I, I I've since told him, but um, you know, knowing where those references came from, you know, being able to again, it's like I'm not going to do an impression. I'm I'm just, but it, it is nevertheless. It's going to give me the opportunity to maybe have a more nuanced performance. Okay, great. Um, but he in uh, in the book, uh, Sean narrates a series about a lead character nehemiah stone Mm -hmm. um and it is a character not unlike jack reacher right and and i work on the reacher series i got all the books right up here behind me you know but um he said that uh uh sean liked to listen to the theme from the 1970s tv version of the incredible hulk Mm -hmm. because it had that marvelous heartbreaking piano music at the end you know it's just gorgeous that used to be my ringtone but it was so soft that i couldn't hear my phone ring so i had to change it to something else but i've loved that music for years and and when landon talked about um sean had this ritual where he would listen to the song which is called the lonely man and he would listen to it every time he went into the booth before recording a Nehemiah Stone novel. Well, I'll tell you what, man, a month and a half, six weeks later at most, I'm recording the latest Jack Reacher novel. And the first thing I did is I turned on the talk, uh, turned on the walking man, uh, sorry, the lonely man. Mm-hmm. I turned on the, the lonely man because it really works for Reacher as well. Yeah, He is self-sufficient and yet he misses people because every now and again, he'll tell a woman that he's gotten involved with during the book and she'll say, you know, hey, you're leaving, aren't you? And he goes, yeah, but you could come with me. Mm-hmm. And they don't. 
but um, there is that aspect uh, to the character as well. And, and that's what I love about this is that, you know, something I got from Landon is helping me on, on another series, <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. it's marvelous. Yeah. It's all these little de- different references and it, it's, we've seen it now, even TikTok where sometimes they'll associate a song or this and, a, and, and it comes out in the reaction or, mm-hmm. um, you know, sometimes these <laughs> Gen Zers are like, Oh, it's a new song. I'm like, no, no, that's not new, honey. That's fun. when I was a teenager in 1990. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I mean, like I totally get that cultural reference because I tend to say I'm your Huckleberry. So anytime that anybody needs anything or they want something or they're like, uh, I'm like, I'm your girl. I'm like, I'm your Huckleberry and, and yeah. things like that. So in my, you know, my kid who is 20 will bust out with movie quotes from the breakfast club. So I, I totally get those I references. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Everything old becomes new again. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's real the fun. I was, you know, trying to blend in some of the real life, you know, you're asking about Michael honey and mm-hmm. who is that in real life? Yeah. <laughs> I, I thought, They'll tell me later. Yeah. <laughs> Off, offline. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's in Ray Porter's clip. <laughs> no, <laughs> uh, I was, I, I wanted some nods and winks and some Easter eggs. Mm-hmm. And oh God. Thought, yes. this would be fun is I thought, well, at the audience, of course, you know, Scott is going to be there and friends of his too. And oh. so, here is, you know, Sean Frost. And and I remember, I do remember the day that I was sitting there and I'm coming up to that scene and it's really early in the book and I've got a lot of energy. Yeah. It's like, oh, suddenly the book is in my mind and I can't type fast enough to get it out there. And as an author, when you sit there and you envision the scene, you imagine that you're there in this ballroom and there's the ceremony that, you know, are kind of the audiobook version of the Oscars. And literally, as an author, at least that I do, I ask myself questions when I write. I go, well, what do I see over here? Who's over at this table? And so at being Sean, I'm walking by a table and I said, of course, you know, here's Scott and his and his friends are sitting at this table on his way, you know, uh, around the room. And so mm-hmm. it was fun to hear <laughs> Scott reference himself. I know. I was like, oh. <laughs> Uh, I, but I was, it, was a, it was part of it was part of the book too that everybody would kind of get the the thing that yeah this is a book for us too. Mm-hmm. It was so weird for me because uh, you know I, I I don't think I I read through uh, you know the advanced copy and but he made some changes and maybe I just wasn't paying attention maybe I wasn't self centered enough but suddenly <laughs> at, in the booth I look at this section and it says Sean Frost says. Uh, I pass a table with, and he only used last names, yes. but I'll use the full names. He says, I passed a table with Scott Brick, Susanna Lee Freeman, yep. my fiance, mm-hmm. uh, Pat Fraley, who's one of the closest friends, dearest friends I've ever had, Ray Porter, <laughs> <laughs> who, who did some of the audio on the book, and Simon Vance. And I'm like, this is my social life. Yeah. This is, this is my life. It's so crazy that it's actually in print now. Yeah. Um, I, but that, I think, makes it very authentic and real. Like, oh, okay, this could possibly happen to a narrative get kidnapped. Okay. So, <laughs> but I mean. Well, look, there, there was actually, there was also a line uh, uh, that was actually something I said to Landon <gasps> during that uh, ill-fated uh, Zoom call where we only got four questions up before the before the power went out. Um <laughs> He said, you know, what's it like being a, a famous audiobook narrator? Mm-hmm. And I and I 
told him what I typically say. It's it's a quip. It's it's something that I you know I don't mean to be dismissive, but I'm just like well, a famous audiobook narrator doesn't make me famous, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. But nevertheless, we get to the book. I get to the book, and Sean Frost says. So people always ask me what's, what it's like being you know, a world-renowned audiobook narrator. And I'm reminded that a colleague of mine once said, <laughs> it's like being the tallest midget in the room. And <laughs> I suddenly went, oh, damn, that's right. I did say that to him. <laughs> and, like, and you're the colleague. colleague. Yeah. I am the colleague. I'm talking about myself. I'm like, if Sean Frost is a narrator, so am I. Therefore, he is my colleague and I am his. That is me. And then, <laughs> then of course, I thought it sounds so dismissive. And I didn't know I was going to be quoted. And I thought, if nothing else, I, I, I really should have said a little person. But, you know, it's authentic. So. Yep. <laughs> but it- that was a... Uh, that was a moment of, uh, I had to stop and laugh for the longest time <laughs> in the booth. I'm like, I'm quoting myself. <laughs> well, and the other part too was when we talk about what's the worst thing that could ever happen to an audiobook narrator, the, you know, again, I don't want to ruin any of the plot because it mm-hmm. may or may not have happened, you know, the kidnapping and that's left to the reader in, in Sean's mind as we go through mm-hmm. the book. But really you know, the elephant in the room, of course, is it's it's a narrator's voice. You know, mm-hmm. that, that is the worst thing that could absolutely happen to a narrator. And I learned more about water than I ever cared to know <laughs> researching for this book. But it is, I mean, it is true I, what, what it takes. So there's also that level too. It's acknowledging that I'm going to portray this dramatically, that this is the worst thing that could happen. But in reality, it isn't. But we couldn't write I couldn't write a book about someone who doesn't have enough water. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, that that's the horror story within the horror story of sorts. And and for those that are in the industry that are, are, are part of it, those little things always makes us go, oh, yeah, I know about that. <laughs> that's true. Uh, but, you know, the, the throat coat, the, the teas and the lip balms. And, you know, it was uh, Sebastian York that taught me about the apples. And oh, sure. And things like that when that happens it's one of those little things like you're in the know and you're like yay it's you know and same thing with you scott when you were saying about like you were the you were the co-worker <laughs> the one being yeah. quoted when when listeners know that an author used their name for a character you're like that that's mm-hmm. me it's so it's the little things but it can mean so Told much to, to people and so i'm sure that for scott and others that are in, in the industry to say like thanks for taking us serious and doing the research <laughs> and 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 making it legit versus I've been told I have a hot voice and I can be an audiobook narrator and uh, I've never been published but I want to start a production company and there's a story behind that I'll tell you offline because um, <laughs> it really happens and the audience scene too yeah was Ray Porter and Andy Weir, you know, they won audiobook of the year mm-hmm. last year. And Andy's just a, a fantastic writer. And Ray, too. I mean, just amazing narrator. But I love Andy's work. And so I figured, how could I bring that into this audio audio ceremony? Mm-hmm. And so I completely made up a science fiction book, you know, that he wrote called Beyond yeah. Rigel. But <laughs> in a way, I was like, maybe he will write it one day. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, inspiration no, comes out of anywhere, right? You know, totally. It, it, it totally happens. The other thing yeah. too that because we live in a world where we're getting more connected with everybody, 
the author, uh, the narrators, excuse me, have shared significant things that happen in the booth. And I do love and adore that you busted out with book af- uh, booth af- <laughs> afflictions. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> when I for that scene first got there, I'm going, where is this going? <laughs> I have gotten more questions, more feedback from people about that section of the book than any other. <laughs> <laughs> you're all, it's, well you guys share about all this stuff that happens in the booth and i mean like I'm, I'm sitting there and i'm writing again and again you're trying to you know bring in some comedy because there's so many things like where people are like i have to push pause on this this is so horrible for this poor <laughs> you know sean frost and i'm like so let's you know liven it up with some comedy and i thought you know because authors have this too you know we we have these inside jokes that go back mm-hmm. and forth and just pitter patter to stave off boredom or to keep going call it what you want and i said narrators probably do too and so if you're in your booth for so many hours a day like i'm in this chair in this room for so many hours i said i'm sure there's some things that they go back like yeah i've got booth this and booth that today and i just started putting stuff in there and now we've been actually officially asked on podcasts i'm like all i can say for some of those i'm like oh it's just it's just the worst you just don't ever want to have it Uh, but the thing is is people are assuming that that came from me when they hear that i that i gave feedback they're like okay so booth dick Dick. Uh, you brought it up uh, so many people brought it up and they're like so is this a thing and really what they're asking is are you sean frost and i'm like no i never mentioned booth dick the only time those words ever came out of my mouth, the first time ever, was in the in the studio recording this book. Oh, but, yeah. yeah, but it was it was so funny because again, you guys share stuff with us as listeners, either on other interviews or when you're in the booth. And I mean, I had a narrator friend that we were talking on Facebook, and he's like, "Give me a minute, I need to get my get, grab my pads." And I'm going. Um, you're gonna get your wet, <laughs> and and it was the 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 ice packs because it was so yeah. hot that he was like, vest, are you wearing uh, yeah like a vest and stuff like that? He was switching it out, and I'm going, you're kidding me, right? And he's like, no, it's really that hot in here, and I need to have. So they had like like ice packs on themselves, yeah, but- and I'm like, wow, okay. <laughs> Landon, it's a it's a thing. Uh, uh, narrators do. It's almost like a like a like a fishing vest. You've got a lot of pockets everywhere, mm-hmm. and you just get these little small those little blue ice packs that you can refreeze, mm-hmm. and you get like twelve of them, and you take six of them at a time. You put them on. Mm-hmm. You put them in the vest. Uh, then when they warm up, you have to go put them back into the into the freezer and get the next six, just so you can keep cool in the booth. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. I'll tell you where those afflictions. If, if you want to know, and I, I've never shared this on any of them. Yeah, podcasts. I do want to know. <laughs> so, Scott, where, um, where the inspiration came was years ago, I was listening to a screenwriting podcast, and I believe it was uh, a screenwriter who I really like, John August. And he started talking about when he was writing, he mentioned in the podcast that sometimes he will do method writing where if it's a really sad scene or an emotional scene, he will work himself up to the point where he's crying and bawling 
and then write the scene. And I had never heard anything like that before. I'll be the first to raise my hand and say that when one of my beloved characters has met an unhappy end, I, I have cried many tears in this room because you get so attached mm -hmm. to them. And, you know, say what you want about it. That, that's just me. I'm an emotional guy. I, I care about this stuff. Um, and so when I was coming up with this, and I hadn't even thought about that for years, but it's one of those things where the more that you read, the more that you listen to, the more that you watch, you don't know where you're going to use that. And that came from years ago. And all of a sudden I said, oh yeah, John August, method writing. And then it went into some of the things I I, I, you know, it's embarrassing because it's been a while and I'm in the deep edit for this next book right now. So that's what's on my mind. But I want to say a narrator, I had, you know, some method narrating for what some of the narrators did. But but that's where that came from is a podcast about eight years ago that I listened to. I, yeah. They were creative. Totally. Both Booth Toe. And then that last one, I was, and you busted out with, I literally busted out laughing. I'm like, booth dick. Okay. So hmm, I, me being me um, in, in romance, the thing is a lot of, if, and if you don't know, in, in these romance books, they, you know, when it comes down to the narration, there's the steamy scenes. And I'm talking about like sex. And, the, and sometimes, you know, listeners will ask the narrator, so any reaction after that scene <laughs> not just ask them that dude um listen i'll tell you i was i was in midland texas doing one of my very first uh, promotional tours ever um and uh midland texas you talk about i mean it's literally where bush jr came from right it's it is it is bush country and and i met a i met a uh I'm at their library and there's 200 seats in the room and they apologized to me as I walked in. They said, we forgot to do any publicity. So there's only a handful of people here. And I'm like, I don't care. That's fine. Uh, I'm like, but let's bring them all down to the center. So I, you know, I asked him to sit close so it, so it could be, you know, uh, more uh, intimate, <laughs> wrong word. Um, <laughs> there were these two <laughs> elderly ladies who sat in the very front row. And so I'm standing at a podium and they are right there. They are as, as, as close to me as my computer is right now. And, and I said, does anybody have any questions? Oh boy. And one of them says in a voice so loud, it was clearly meant to reach me. <laughs> There's no way it couldn't have. She's in the front row, but she's singing it to her friend there uh, sitting next to her. He goes, and she says, could you ask him if he ever gets excited by any of those sex scenes he reads? And if so, does he ever record them in the all together? <laughs> oh, jeez! And, you know, it's not like I'm it's not like I'm a, you know, a stand up comedian who knows how to handle you know hecklers from the audience. But I'm usually pretty, pretty fast on my feet. And I had nothing. <laughs> I just sat there. I just laughed. I just laughed and laughed, and 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 I was blushing so hard. I thought my face would explode, but I just carried on. I'm like, oh, any other questions? <laughs> so I mean, that's where my mind went. I'm like, are they talking? I go, mm -hmm. 
okay. <laughs> so again, thank you for the laughs on that one. It, it was, uh, <laughs> but I was like, okay, I, I know others are going to think the same way that, that I was thinking, but I was going, yeah, because unfortunately you guys do get asked that question more often than not. Uh, <laughs> and I was going, oh God, don't ask them that people. But also sometimes you guys have, some of you, the narrators have been very open and honest and shared what happens. Um, and <laughs> So I'm like, okay, if you open that door. (laughs) There are a lot of narrator couples. Yes. yes, uh, You know, so. Mm -hmm. It's like, hey, honey. (laughs) Need the break for now. Yeah. Hey, babe, read this. (laughs) (laughs) I just read a great book. (laughs) (laughs) And you should too. (laughs) Oh, I've I've said it before with other guests and I've said it to my friends. There have been times where it's, you know, you kind of like, highlight and you give it to your partner and you're like read learn tonight and then you're done you know kind of a thing so it happens <laughs> you can imagine like hey i uh, i kind of left something in the booth for you <laughs> <laughs> yeah but that was like oh my goodness and and just again the narration on that was so like spot on and it was very casual it was almost like you were like not even there's no acting there of sorts that's scott why you're so good you're so believable in these characters. You you kind of forget that you're listening to the audiobook. You're almost like you're just at a cafe watching someone do, you know, having the conversation out loud. Um, so so thank you for that. So guys, I could probably keep you on for hours, but I won't do that for it to you. Um, so before we go, can you guys tell us what you're each individually or together working on next? So we can make it on our list and editorial calendars. <laughs> Uh, I am working on um, uh, a Steve Barry novel. Um, Steve. And yeah. I believe it's called The Last Kingdom. Uh, we're supposed to get started today. Uh, forgive me, I, I didn't have the uh, uh, the title uh, form us in my mind, to be honest. After a thousand books, they kind of all blend together a yeah. little bit. No worries. Um, uh, I can usually remember them after I finish recording them, but yes, I'll, I'll be uh, working on his, uh, Steve Perry's latest Cotton Malone thriller. Cool. Yeah. Steve's nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I met Steve uh, down here in Florida. and he's Lovely a guy. guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great guy. Gave me a, a board for the sale, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I am right now editing. We're in the final stages of the sequel to Huron Breeze, which is Huron Nights. And so that'll be coming out on December 22nd with the Kindle and the paperback. And then soon Scott and I will be getting together to do our pre-conference for recording. And then that'll be out probably uh, later in the winter, earlier in the spring. And then uh, I'm writing the novella that that, uh, Suzanne and I will eventually work on. And then it'll be on to the third book and the final one in the trilogy that uh, we'll put out together. So yeah, busy, exciting. Uh, It's going to be an awesome 2023. Fantastic. Yeah. I I love asking that question because then I get to add stuff to my calendars and I know what I'm going to be reading and listening to. So thank you. (laughs) I tell you what, I one time, I one time asked a question like that to my favorite author of all time, Richard Matheson. Uh, he wrote somewhere in time. He wrote all the great, so mm-hmm. many of the great Twilight Zone episodes. He wrote the Incredible mm-hmm. Shrinking Man. I mean, and I Am Legend. He he wrote so many classic books. And of course, he was pushing ninety at this point. And I asked him, I said, "So what's next?" And he, and he said, "Well, I delivered this book a year ago. It's coming out next month." 
and I just delivered a book a week ago. That'll come out in about a year from now. And there's this long pause. And he said, and then I, I think I'm done. Hmm. And I was heartbroken. I mean, it was, it was my favorite author. And he's telling me that he has no more stories to tell. Oh. That's just, it was just the worst. That, and, and I, it, this was an interview we were being filmed and I just wanted to weep. And oh. he, he passed away. Mm. I think I want to say about six months later. Oh, so, wow. um, oh. yeah. So note to authors, keep writing. <laughs> well, yeah, the fans are voracious. As soon as the yeah. book comes out, they're they're already emailing or, or DMing the author. So, like, what's next? When is this other yeah. one coming out? And they're like, this one just published this morning. <laughs> right. Yeah. This book nearly killed me. me. Yeah. Like when narrator came out. Yeah, that day we were on a podcast when narrator came out, and Scott and I, I was just like. I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> You're tired. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I could probably barely be heard at that point. My voice oh, was <laughs> so yeah, I, I I do get that, Viviana, where it's yeah. like, oh, I'm working as fast as I can. Yeah. I will say though that I'll be the first one to advocate for you guys and say I would much rather you guys take your time, delay as needed, because life happens and I get a really, really good book versus you rushing in and half-assing it, and I get a yeah. meh kind of a book. And, and, and so that's always my two cents of sorts. Um, but I think also to <laughs> reviews also say similar things. So, <laughs> you, you know, it's okay to wait. We'll, we'll have some, we'll find someone else. We'll find another book. We'll re-listen to something um, and fall all in love all over again. But I want to thank you both. Thank you again so much, Landon and Scott, for being here and taking the time to talk to me about this fabulous book called Narrator and other things among that. And then you'll have to tell me offline who uh, Michael was inspired about. But I will include all of your social media links on the landing page over at Viviana Enchantress of Books for this episode. And until next time, guys, and everyone, happy listenings. Thank you. Thank you, Viviana. Thank you. Thank you to all of our audiobook-loving podcast Patreon. Special thanks to Nixley Zenner, Carol Liebner, Brittany Robinette Leiter, Don Darch, Michelle Bastard, Brandy Schmidt, April Branson. The audiobook loving podcast has special Patreon access levels. Join today to receive benefits including early access to episodes, shout outs, special exclusive content, and much more. Support the podcast by becoming a Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash audiobook loving. We thank you for your support. Thank you for joining us on the Audiobook Lovin' Podcast, hosted by Viviana Enchantress of Books. For links and more information discussed in today's episode, previous podcasts, or the Audiobook Lovin' series, please visit our website, vivianaenchantressofbooks.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a positive review wherever you listen to our podcast. Until next time, happy listening. <laughs>